Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today we're going to cover probably the most common houseplant, but one that I think we should all learn to love and respect, the spider plant or Chlorophytum commosum. Oh my gosh, one of my favorites. Uh, I'm currently killing one on my patio because... You know, they uh, they make all the little babies so you can give them away. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to I'm going to have some follow up questions about how on earth you're killing one. But we can. Uh, it, did you just leave it out when it fucking snowed? Um, I have to leave all of my plants out, uh, even if it's snowing, because Oliver likes to eat any plant. Uh, fair, fair, fair. Okay, well, shit, man. But they, I mean, it'll probably come back, it's, honestly. I mean, it's, look, it's looking way better than that uh, pothos that's uh, very yeah. much dead now. Oh, uh, poor the baby. Cold. Yeah, I mean, all of those tropical plants, they don't love freezing weather. Shocking, I know. I, I know. <laughs> uh, so, But so this week, I am talking about some magical home security techniques that are probably going to put Brinks out of business. And a disclaimer, <laughs> uh, do not cancel your home security service. <laughs> also, uh, I like that with all of the new like ones that have all the ads on the podcast that you pulled out Brinks. Like, yeah, you we're, went going, we, we're going school. real old school, old school. Yeah. Fuck your fuck your ring doorbell. No, oh my God. I love that. We're, we're talking about Brinks <laughs> home security. Um, God. Well, before we get started, I did want to say, um, so most of you that follow us on Instagram already know, but for those of you that don't, the reason this episode's coming out a little bit late is because one of my wonderful kitties passed away very suddenly last week. And I just want to say like a really big thank you to everybody who reached out and checked on me. It was very shocking. We didn't have much time to prepare and it just meant a lot. It meant a lot to hear from some of you you know, it's it's nice to not feel alone, especially during fucking quarantine when we're all so goddamn alone. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, yeah. It, like literally the universe did not want us to record last week because it's like snow that uh, and then. Yeah. So it was um, not meant to be. Let's not just say meant that. To be. Yeah. But I do. I just want to say thank you. I really, really appreciate it. I mean, most of you, I think, are probably pet lovers because if you're not, I mean, we're not interested in you listening to our podcast <laughs> anymore. Um, the door. The door is that way. It it really meant a lot. But Nick, other than do you have any like plants that are alive right now? I was going to say we could like start with like a plant check in, but it sounds like there might not be much to report, unfortunately, on your side right now with all the snow. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's the snow and it's the freezing. Um, my succulents are coming through strong, you know, like they haven't really changed that much. Uh, the the pothos is dead. Uh, my calancho is is primed for a comeback. You know, my roommate says that that it's probably not going to make it. But I say I've had that plant for two years and it will make it. It just looks a little rough right now. And uh, also... My um, wandering dude, as you so eloquently call it, um, <laughs> I did do a full trim on that, and the little the little sprouty boys couldn't be happier. Oh, I love that! Yeah, my Tradescantia zebrina that I have, I just repotted it into three different pots because I'm trying to get it to take over the blue wicker rocking chair that I moved to the front porch. Right. My dream is for it to like vine out and completely cover the chair i am 
so excited for that to happen. I'm going to make it happen. It's going to happen. Because I, I just had to repot all of my spider plants, which I'll talk about a little bit more when we do my segment. But I've also moved a lot of my little seedlings outside because uh, while it was snowing for you, <laughs> it was in the 80s here for the past two days because of the fucking Santa Ana's going crazy. But it's it's cooling back down, but it never actually freezes in California, which is like a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I definitely have some annuals, quote unquote, that are never going to die. Like I have a coleus that's almost three years old. Just like, chilling. Being just ancient. Chillin'. Exactly. Being really old. But I'm growing some like blue borage and hyssop and I've got a shit ton of little cucamelon sprouts and I hope to have a huge cucamelon harvest because I think they're so goddamn cute. Um, and then I also have some sprouts of like lime basil and some lemon balm and cilantro and uh, chamomile and fenugreek. Oh my God, my fenugreek is coming up hard. So Ooh. yeah, that's, I mean, that's my little plant update. I mean, my monstera is throwing off like a new fenestrated leaf because it's California. I mean, my phylodendron birkin just unfurled a new leaf and that's the that's the life in LA. It's are, are we are we quite done bragging? Uh yeah, I guess we'll call it for now. <laughs> I do have to say though, honestly, I miss like holidays. Like feeling like they're actually not holidays. I miss seasons. Like Oh, well, I mean, you know, we we barely we we really don't. It's like we get that one day of cold here and there and but it's and it's just enough to fuck with your tropical plants. So Yeah. Um, to everyone who doesn't have a cat who thinks they are a cow, um, you bring your plants in when it gets cold like that. Uh, yeah, most plants don't like that. When the water freezes, it explodes their little plant veins. Oh, um, no. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, that's just like a little update on how my collection is doing. At some point, I'll probably have to like post a picture on Instagram of all my new little seedlings once they've, you know, reestablished because it's always like seedlings always look so sad for a little bit after you uh, transplant yeah, yeah, yeah. them and it's like oh no you're gonna die and they don't die but they really like make you worry for <laughs> a couple of days so i'm just like i'm practicing some like loving separation and i'm not being a helicopter parent over them right. and i'm trying to let them do their own thing <laughs> so anyway plants so nick plants. i'm i'm so excited for you to be bringing back the brinks references the, the brink, like the it's brinks 1999 yeah so um so home security folks uh for most people these words are going to conjure up images of an alarm pen pad or a ring camera or even those like silly lasers they put in the commercials which you never actually get if you sign up for home security um, but they do show them, and so someone that means someone out there has to have like actual lasers in their house. I'm so jealous because all I have ever wanted to do is like terrible tumbling between lasers. Like it looks right. so fucking glamorous. I want to be like like pussy galore, James Bond yeah. rolling around. Like it looks so fun. But uh, I'm here to talk about how the craft can add to these more sort of mundane precautions. Uh, so for liability reasons, I'm in no way advocating canceling your burglar alarm subscription and switching solely to salt lines. Um, I feel like I need to, I feel like if I was better at editing, I would like make that part like really quiet and really fast. Like we were in a commercial <laughs> for a prescription medication. You know what? Just imagine it. 
because that's how it felt saying that. Um, okay, so, so to start, we're going to do a little time traveling. So the year is 1878, and workmen are demolishing a very old house in Wellington, Somerset, Great Britain. Um, the house in question belonged to an elderly woman who is rumored to be a powerful witch. So I, I'm going to interject here and say by rumored to be a powerful witch, that probably meant that she was like interesting and maybe single. Yeah. Yeah. And, and old and single. Yeah. Um, God forbid a woman make it to a certain age without a man back in the day. Right. Burn her at the stake, you old crone. Um, so in the attic of said house, uh, and an interesting side note here is that the firsthand accounts from the workmen agree that the attic was not actually accessible from the inside of the house and could only be reached through a window in the side of the roof, which they needed a ladder to get up to. And there was no ladder. So I have like 10,000 follow up questions, but I'm going to let you keep going. <laughs> So inside of this attic, there were six broomsticks, an armchair, and a one and a half meter piece of twine with chicken feathers woven into it. And uh, so the workmen's imaginations ran away with these strange findings and the myth of the witch's ladder was born. So of course they assumed it was a powerful curse or a way for the witch to go from roof to roof to steal without having to climb down and back up again, uh, because one of the main things she was accused of was uh, stealing milk from neighboring farms because she was a powerful witch. And that's what powerful witches do. They steal milk. Well, you know, I've always said if I had unlimited power, <laughs> yes. I'm going to get all the fucking milk in the world, man. <laughs> right. Um, Jesus. <laughs> so now, of course, there's been a lot more research that's been done about old European folkways, and they do make curses in a similar way in Italy. Uh, now, keeping in mind, this is Wellington, Somerset, uh, and there's plenty of variants of this that have positive connotations, including the... Uh, the fair winds knots, which is a charm for sailors where you untie the knot and loosening it up supposedly unleashes fair winds. Uh, so with that in mind and kind of going along with maybe she was a witch and with all due respect to the workmen demolishing the house and uh, the Victorian imagination, I'm proposing an alternate explanation, which is that it was a protective spell based on where it was hung up and the fact that she had all of her witchy stuff up in there. Um, uh, fight me over it, you know? I mean, honestly, like, all signs point to this bitch needed some protection. So, like, right. I can get on board with that if everybody's accusing her of being a witch back in the day. Right. Like, yeah. yeah scary I, time to be a witch, too. Exactly. Real shitty time to be a woman <laughs> getting accused of being a witch. I'd probably be doing, like, hella protection work, too. But, um, so... In modern neo-paganism, the Witch's Ladder is sort of a multi-purpose spell, and it's really all about the intentions that you put into uh, each of the knots. Um, so you could use it for a bunch of different things, um, but I thought this would be a great one for protection because that story really has always stuck with me that people think it's like a curse for the people who were invading her space. And I mean, in a way, that's a form of protection as well. But um, I also just really like the way this looks. And so when you are going through and looking at witches ladders that other people have made, you can really put like you can put pretty beads and 
you know, like tie more intricate knots. You could even like macrame it a little bit if you just really want to go for the aesthetic. Um, And it's just, you know, it's kind of nice because you can hang it up over your altar. You can hang it up in a window. Um, So I'm going to encourage people to to make a witch's ladder because it's actually a very easy spell to do. So you get your uh, meter and a half of twine, yarn, rope hair good luck finding a meter and a half long hair but that is a traditional like the old old school way uh is hair um and you want to set an intention and so for this i would imagine individual things that you'd like to be protected from so this can range from the mundane like robbery home invasion and assault to more spiritual attacks like nightmares evil intentions lies the evil eye which everyone seems to be so worried about these days although you know maybe saving this for a different episode i i I doubt that there's people out there casting the evil eye as much as uh twitter would have you think yeah i think that it just looks cute on bracelets and that's why it's taken off honestly (laughs) um you know communicable diseases is another thing you could think about uh when you're setting your intentions for protection. So I would recommend uh, maybe doing multiples of these uh, for different parts of your house that need different kinds of protection. And uh, the classic is 40 knots, 40 knots on the witch's ladder. And so uh, in the one that they found, it was chicken feathers tied into each knot, which makes the ladder shape. You could also use bones. You could use um, really anything. You Like I said, you could use beads. And you can also use this as kind of like a uh, like a pagan... Oh, um, the rosary? Rosary beads. So it's like pagan rosary beads. And ah. if you're like, and if you're supposed to ch- uh, do a chant or an incantation a certain number of times, you can count it out on your, your witch's ladder with the beads. That, I thought that was nice. And also you can hang yeah. it up in your window. Weigh it down with a crystal. Uh, yeah, the, usually the bottom is a chicken bone, but that's kind of gross. So, you know, weigh it down with a crystal or, or a heavy bead or, or a stick. A nice, a nice stick of juniper would be lovely here. Well, and it's I feel like that's something to the idea of weighing it down. I'm just imagining if you had something that was like easy to change out, that could also be something like on your altar or on your like in your window that you change with the seasons, maybe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a pine bough. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like switching it out with like the sabbats. Right, right, right. Love that. Um, so yeah, witch's ladder, good for protection. So there's also the classic like salt. So you can uh, put salt in your door, in your window. Uh, the, from what I've read, it's good to add some garlic, uh, which is not just to keep vampires away, but has like a whole variety of protective magical properties. Uh, and it can be garlic powder. You know, you can raid your, your spice cabinet for this one. Um, but don't try to cheat and use pre-made garlic salt. Uh, You're going to want to mix it up in your bowl that you use for your altar and set your intention while you're doing it. Not just get out your shaker of garlic salt and throw it at your window, you know. Yeah, I feel like this is not the time for that. Right. And um, you don't don't want to use just any old bowl either. So uh, while mixing, you can do an incantation of protection. Um, You're going to want to set your intentions very clearly while mixing it up. And uh, then you put a pinch in each of your windows and outside each of your doors. So uh, any salt is fine, but many practitioners swear by black salts for this kind of spell work. And um, I also like sigils and runes. So if you make your little salt, you can make a little rune with it, you know? Um, So like I have a sword um, with an Othala rune scratched into it above my front door. It's very discreet. Except for the fact that there's a sword hanging there. Uh, And at the time, 
the Othala room seemed like the logical choice because it, it's ties to the physical home and protection by your ancestors. And that's actually going to lead me into this week's questionable witchy practice. Um, so before yeah. we move on, I just want to talk about like so many pagans um, out there in the neo-pagan traditions subscribe to Norse paganism and they're really into runes. And I'm one of those people like that was my first interest in paganism in general was Norse paganism, like reading the stories about Thor and Odin and Freya and Loki. And like, that was it, you know, like that was my introduction into it. And something very upsetting has come out of that affinity of mine. And that is that um, in modern times, I see this so much is that white supremacists have covered in rune tattoos. Um, so these are actually first time recording since the Trump supporters raided the Capitol. Yeah, since they did like the shittiest insurrection of all history, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it helps when the cops seem to be on your side, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but I, I find this very questionable and very witchcraft adjacent. Um, so white supremacist using rune, the runic alphabet for tattoos and racist messaging. And so this actually goes all the way back to Adolf Hitler himself, who was trying to create a um, cultural connection between Old Norse and Nazism as a continuous Aryan saga. Yeah, and I wanted to interject here. The whole history of Nazis co-opting the occult is very interesting and i think mm -hmm. it's worth learning more about last podcast on the left actually has a two-part series on nazis and the occult and i really recommend listening to it because it does sort of help put some of this into like more you know put it into more context because this isn't new but it has become super proliferated because of the internet right and um so a lot of these like neo-nazis love to get runic tattoos in court uh including the othala which has um such good like connotations for protection from your ancestors so um the anti-defamation league hate symbols database uh, list the most commonly identified runes and symbols are the life rune, the Othala rune, uh, Thor's hammer, the tear rune, and the uh, Vulcanot, which was on the buffalo guy, which is kind of looks like three triangles having a menage a trois. Um, so, you know, it's upsetting to see. And most of the Norse pagans out there are the nicest people and yeah. nonviolent people and wouldn't support white supremacy, much less any kind of violence so stop it yeah stop it all of you <laughs> fucking quit it and also like one of my i have many pet peeves about this but i think a really important thing just for everybody to like remember is that vikings were not something like it wasn't something that people were it was like a job description so putting right. all of this crazy like basically just like trying to add modern weird contextualization onto history without actually understanding it is I think it's horrible very obviously when it happens like this but problems like this I think also can proliferate into other areas of the new age community where we like to do things like gloss over some of the problems that maybe existed in like earlier paganism and so I think it's right. really important that we like confront <laughs> who we are as witches today and also be informed and fuck these people. I think we should all be able to agree to that. But also it's a good call, I think, for us to all do better. Yeah, we all have to do better. 
And, you know, it's like, uh, I guess from my perspective, no one's saying don't use those runes, but maybe understand that you might have to explain it every now and then. Um, Yeah, I think it's important to just like, it sucks, right? Because it's like, the more that a horrible group uses symbols, the more they co-opt them. And like, there are so many people in like, modern day Scandinavia that are really trying to like, fight this because they don't want their culture totally co-opted by this like insane right-wing group of fuckers and that's also totally unfair so it is like man just mostly fuck these people i'm right. so well you know it's, it. uh, one of i saw this thing um that was like one of those there's an infinite number of these out there i'm sure where it's like people saying dumb things on the internet and it's uh, some basic white girl on vacation in India and she sees a swastika at a temple and she's like, I can't believe they didn't take this down. And everyone's like, well, that's actually like a hundreds of years old symbol uh, in the Hindu tradition that has nothing to do with Nazism. So, yeah, exactly. It's like and that's again, that's like part of the problem with people. It's like if you're going to be in a community that's like I feel like paganism in particular, like we're all I feel like we all share so much more across different backgrounds than maybe people in other religious practices, just because there is no quote unquote like pagan church that sets the rules and so because of that, I think it is even more important that people that are witches, especially in this day and age where we have adequate information to make better decisions, like it's just important that we educate ourselves. You know, I also think um, just, you know, kind of to close out here, there is a certain amount of delicious irony to using like Norse power runes uh, to protect yourself against white supremacists. Uh, I do love uh, that. I think that is a very good way to like take it back. Yeah, take it back. Um, so you though, you were going to talk to us about spider plants. I was okay. So the chlorophytum camosum or the spider plant is, I think, gets way too much shade and like the modern internet like house plant community. Like the number of people I've heard shit talking spider plants is deeply upsetting to me. First of all, like leave all of our grandmas alone who have these in the bathroom. They're literally called like toilet plants by some people because they will live basically wherever you put them unless it's outside in snow. Um right. but yeah, it's like this crazy elitism against spider plants also just really upsets me because I think that they're so beautiful and there's different varieties. And so for this segment, I've pulled like a little bit of info from gardening know-how about other varieties. But honestly, this is almost all exclusively from my personal experience, just because I do have fucking massive spider plants. So I recently had to repot them, which I was just talking about earlier this episode. And it's because I, I basically have to repot my spider plants every like eight months because they just keep growing and expanding and their roots are really fibrous and they will warp like pots that they're in if they're plastic and they can break pots that are clay. Um, So that's a fair warning. But seriously, I have like the most fucking monstrous like spider plants ever. So I feel like I'm very qualified to talk about them. Um, so I think for a lot of people that have houseplants though, this really is like, it's like a gateway drug. Like they're so easy to get, you know, Nick was talking about all the little babies, little spiderettes. Like if you know someone with a spider plant, I'm sure they will share. I always offer to share spider plant with everyone because I have them. So... (laughs) 
Um, so there are a few varieties that I think are really common that you'll see. So there's the standard, the chlorophytum camosum, and it's solid green. But I think this one's actually harder to find like in plant stores than the variegated versions. But there's apparently I found that they've used it in some landscaping here in Park La Brea. So like if you want some, let me know because I can just go dig it up. Um, there's also the Chlorophytum camosum variegatum or the common spider plant. And this is the one that has streaks of white in the center of the leaves and they have like the green on the edges. So that's the one that I think you almost always find. And then there's the reverse variegatum, which has the white edges and a green streak in the middle. And I think that's really the most like second common variety And my spider plants are all actually a combination of variegatum and reverse variegatum. Um, I think the coolest thing about doing a combo here is that your offshoots are actually going to be different colors. So the reverse variegatum shoots uh, off green stems that grow their flowers. And the standard variegatum actually has like cream offshoot stems. So when they're in these pots and they get big and they have all the babies shooting off, you also have like different colors on the um, offshoot stems, which I think is really pretty. Oh, I do love that. Yeah. I know. It's so good. Um, And there's also Chlorophytum Laxum Zebra. And so this one kind of looks like the reverse variegatum, but the white borders start off more yellow before they turn white. And then there's the Hawaiian spider plant, which starts off with variegation, but eventually reverts to all green. And then finally, my newest spider plant, I've had it for about a year, is the Chlorophytum Camosum Bonnie. And this one looks just like a variegatum, but the leaves are actually curly. Like, it's really precious and it's more compact. So if you have less space or want to avoid, like, spider plants taking over your entire life, this plant is a really good option. Just take over one corner of your life. Yeah, take over one corner of your life. Um, And again, spider plants are seriously easy to grow and propagate. Taking care of them is pretty basic, especially since they're really, like, tough and can adapt to any conditions, essentially literally other than them freezing outside. Um, Keep them in bright indirect light to occasional direct light if it's in the morning. My spider plants are on my front porch and it faces northwest. So they do get a good amount of like morning and early afternoon light. But by the time that like hot afternoon light is coming, the sun has already passed over them. So just make sure that you know the direction that things are pointing. And they do also enjoy like a cooler period. So unless it's actually freezing outside, you don't have to worry about like pulling them too far from drafty windows. You know, they're not going to like wilt and get very finicky like some plants will. Literally, as long as they're not actually freezing, they're going to be okay. And they do love to be pot bound. And it is one of the most wonderful things about them because you can sort of like put it off a little longer than you would with other plants, but it also makes it really difficult. So like I've said, I repotted mine actually twice in the past year. And both times the roots had like completely wound around the bottom of the pot and they were actually warping and breaking the resin containers that they were in. And that makes getting them out kind of hard. Um, But honestly, like, These are one of the few plants that is just like, fuck it. If you break a root, it's going to be fine. They will totally make it. Again, it's like with most plants, I would really caution about up potting to something that's too much bigger than what the plant's already in. You know, it's like standard advice is only go up by like an inch or so on your pot size, but spider plants will be fine and they'll take over whatever you put them in. Just don't let the soil get too soggy and they'll honestly fill up any plant soon enough. I just moved my four spider plants are now in two like 
big tubs, like the tubs that you get for storing like Christmas decorations. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I like drilled holes in the bottom of them. And they're probably, I think, like three feet by like one and a half feet. And then deep, I think they're probably about one and a half feet too. And so I've literally, I just put them in these fucking like massive planters because I was like, I cannot repot these again in eight months. I am running out of pots. They're taking over my life. And once they start filling those up, I'm honestly probably going to just have to start like root dividing them and tossing parts of them because I just can't, I cannot have half of my porch be spider plant. But (laughs) that's neither here nor there. I think that the most iconic thing about them, though, is their spiderettes or, you know, their offshoots. So they send out these tendrils that get these really cute little white flowers and those become your little spiderettes. And they actually grow their own little roots. Like they look like mini spider plants on the end of these um, stems. And you can cut them off and just pot them right into soil. I mean, for the best results, they say leave them attached to the mother and like just, you know, drop it into some soil while it's still attached to the big plant to let it root. But honestly, like I said, these things are fucking tough. Just cut them off and pot them up in the soil. Um, You can water propagate, but like, I don't know, it just it's kind of a waste of your time unless you're doing it for aesthetics because... They're already developing roots when they're on the mother plant. And a lot of times when you're water propagating, you're actually trying to develop the roots. So, I mean, if you like the way it looks, that's awesome. But if you're just trying to get a new plant, I think it's like kind of a waste of your time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little extra. Yeah. It's just it's, a little extra. No. It's extra. And it's like potentially making it harder for yourself because water roots are different than soil roots which is why when you water propagate there's always that transition period right and it's like a spider plant already has roots that are ready for soil why would you like regrow water roots just to have to grow like soil roots again and if i don't know it seems weird to me (laughs) Um, some people just like working that's true i mean i don't know though i'm a virgo i feel like i like working but i don't like doing pointless things (laughs) (laughs) Um, And again, these plants, like I said, they're fucking tough as nails and they're actually pretty pest resistant too. But just like keep a close eye when you're watering because they can get kind of dense and it's a really good hiding place for things like spider mites. If in particular, like if you've had an outbreak and another plant in your collection, spider mites can hide in there. And that's just because if you get spider mites and you don't, you know, quarantine the plant soon enough, those little bastards will fucking like float on the air into every plant that you own and ruin your life for a while um, i I'm, hate i hate spider mites so much yeah i'm like that's not coming from anything like deep and angry inside of me not at all no i will i will i will never ever forgive them for killing my bonsai tree ever Ugh, yeah they killed my favorite calathea my gray star calathea and man i'm still mad about it i think i'm gonna be mad about it forever um the the only thing that i think a lot of people on the internet complain about with spider plants is they do sometimes get brown tips but honestly i just cut them off like if it bothers you for aesthetic reasons you can just clip it off to where the ends at a point and you really can't tell i mean it, it could be a lot of things like it could be too much sun exposure but usually it has to do with like fluoride content and your water because it causes salt buildups in the soil 
And one of the ways you can help with that is just to make sure that when you're watering, you're really like watering deeply, like until the water runs through the pot and comes out the bottom every time, because that helps you flush some of the salts. But in the US, because all of our water is fluoridated, didn't you is... just watch Dr. Strangelove recently? I'm so sorry to jump in. We did. Oh my God. His like rant about fluoride and his uh, precious bodily fluids is definitely coming to mind right now. <laughs> no, it is very apt. Um, I imagine that that's what spider plants are doing whenever they get their brown tips. (laughs) They're just like, my precious tips and the fluoride. Um, Just just like water till the water comes through the drainage holes. And if you start getting like older leaves that are turning yellow and then brown, just like pull them out to clean up the plant. I mean, literally, you could get in there with pruning shears, but I just like yank them out. I think part of it is because mine are also so huge that I just don't have time to be precious with them. But... (laughs) I kind of just manhandle them and and they can like handle a pruning. So like you don't have to be shy. You can root divide these things too. And they're honestly like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could like throw a spider plant onto like wet carpet and it will thrive. They're really that easy, but I, I cannot stress enough that I would really, really advise against getting more than one when you buy it, because you're going to think, Oh, this cute little baby. I love it so much. Let me get two of them. And that is a huge mistake. Uh, I started with two and now I have like four giant plants that I literally just put into like two giant tubs because they grow so fast and they outgrow everything so quickly. It's like, I know that it's tempting to get a bunch of them, but it's like the same reason I wouldn't recommend you buy like two smaller Monsteras because eventually those bitches are going to be fucking huge. And then what are you going to do? You're going to be out of room. Just one. Um, (laughs) So that's my, that's like my care advice, but this is a podcast about magic. So my favorite thing that I've actually seen people do with their spider plants has to do with like their little tendrils that they uh, send out with their spiderettes on them. And if you've ever had a spider plant, you know that those like those tendrils are very strong. Like they've got they've got a good amount of weight to them. So they're really great for doing things like not magic, which was perfect for this episode where Nick was talking about the witch's ladder. Um, they're really great for protection magic too, because they're naturally really like tough and resistant to things, you know, to bad things happening to them. And so I think the idea of doing not magic with a plant that is just like such a bamf is like a really cool way to do a very like green witch, which is ladder. And I also have about 10,000 spiderettes coming off of my plant. So if any of y'all need some, hit me up, pay for postage, and I'll send you however many your little heart desires. We, I um, love that. Just like, uh, just like an envelope full of spider, spider tendrils. Right, exactly. I mean, we're here to share. Um, and if you're a bath witch, like I think Nick and I both are as well, uh, it's really cute to like cut off some of the spiderettes and you can actually float them in the bath with you if you're doing like a bath for like protection magic. Like if you're doing a bath spell aimed to like fortify you and to give you strength, like maybe you have like a big work thing coming up or you have a job interview and you want to feel very like strong and powerful. I think adding a few little spiderettes to your bath would be cute. And honestly, even if you've got shit in there, they'll probably live if you plant them up afterwards. So it's like win, win, win. You're not going to hurt them. Um, and <laughs> all, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. That's the spider plant anthem. Um, and finally, 
actually, I do think, you know, there are some plants like sage and rosemary that just the plants themselves can be really great home guardians. And if you're in a warmer climate, you know, like me, you can have them growing outside year round. And if they send out a bunch of spiderettes, it's kind of cool. It's like this really pretty like waterfall effect. And so I think they can be kind of a good like plant guardian for one of your front or back doors. Like I've got mine out front and I'm having, I have them on a table and the hope is that eventually their tendrils will completely cascade down to the ground. And so they're just going to look like a giant spider plant monster, but it's also kind of like a guardian for my house. It's like cousin it, but with uh, spider plants. Exactly. It's like cousin it, but without that annoying high pitch. (laughs) Um, Although, I mean, you say that. Uh, that's fair. Did you have you ever watched like the original Adams Family? Oh yeah. My favorite is the episode where cousin it gets like the voice lessons and becomes like, and he gets like super deep suave voice and is like the thing of every woman's dreams. Do you remember this episode? <laughs> I, I, it's, I I can't recall. That's um, fair. I have all of the original Adams Family on DVD because I love it very much and i'm a dork so uh it's kind of a deep cut it's not like one of the bigger episodes so it's fine oh sure uh it's just like there's a very iconic cousin it episode that i highly recommend so (laughs) all that to say transitioning into our deity profile Ooh, i was so excited about this one i know me too so last time we had like a full-length episode we did Medea. that was the last one right the last episode that aired i think i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure before the q a so as a follow-up i have to do cersei and no not with like the game of thrones spelling it is cersei the goddess the daughter of the titan of the sun helios Her mother is sometimes said to be Hecate, depending on the story, and sometimes it's said to be the ocean nymph Percy. So, yeah, you know, either one I think is pretty badass. Right, right. I mean, ocean nymphs are cool. Yeah, it's like an ocean nymph or the mother of all witches. I don't know. I feel like that's also a (laughs) (laughs) win-win. Right, right, right. Um, so a lot of the famous ancient Greek texts actually do talk about Circe. She's in, you know, just a few small ones like the Odyssey by Homer, the Theogony by Hesiod, Description of Greece by Pausanias, Geography by Strabo, and the Library of History by Siculus. Um, she's also mentioned by famous uh, Roman writers like Virgil, Cicero, Ovid, Hyginus, Valerius Flaccus, Statius, and Propertius bunch of nobodies i know who are these people but i think for our purposes it's the most important thing about cersei i think um is that she's the og witch you know she's like the first of hecate's children whether biological or spiritual and there are three female sorceresses that man that is a mouthful sorceresses (laughs) sorceresses sorceresses um (laughs) cersei pacifay and medea And Cersei, by basically every account, is considered the most powerful. So in addition to her ability to make like crazy badass potions, a lot of people also said she had the power to hide the sun and the moon as she willed. That's a that's a big ask. Um, yeah, I'm like, what a badass bitch. 
but as you could guess, you know, it's like from all the text she appears in, there are some really varied stories about her life and mythology, but her relationship with Hecate actually is a super consistent presence, which I think is really, it's really special to like as a witch. Um, of course, she had an unhappy childhood, which among us didn't. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what? A witch who had an unhappy childhood. News at 11. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was the black sheep of her family. And th- my favorite, like, fucking strange thing is, like, depending on the story, one of the things that gets said about her is that her Earth family was really troubled by her voice. So, so is, I'm just imagining that she had like a friend Drescher voice. <laughs> oh my god! Like she's super nasally. Like she like, does like Hi. she does the uh, oh god like the Janice from Friends that <laughs> like goat yes. laugh. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah. Yes, those were good noises. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go make potions, Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> um, and this, this is, some people think this is like the root of that weird, um, rumor that witches have different types of voices. That was like one of the things they used to like prosecute badass old ladies back in the day. Sure. Uh, sure. Sure. But yeah, so transformation magic is obviously like her thing. There is a story where she turns a young lady named Cilia into a sea monster because a demigod that Cersei like had a thing for was into her. Um, And some people, you know, especially people that are practicing in modern Hecatean witchcraft, sometimes refer to her transformation magic as truth revealing, which is a super baller way to think about that. So in this story, we could say that Cilia or Skyla, I've no, I, I'm, I don't speak Greek, um, but in this story, we could say that this basic bitch was actually a real bitch. So Cersei just turned her into the monster that she really was on the inside. Oh my God. I literally love that for her. I know. And then this story actually is what leads to her being banished to the island of Aea. I don't know how to say it's all vowels. It's all vowels. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's the island where she eventually has a run in with Odysseus. So she gets banished and then shit gets real and her like transformation into like a boss bitch actually gets started on this island. So like she is chilling, the only like human here. She said she's said to have tamed the wild beasts connected to the natural world and like the magic of plants and herbs and like you know super just like honing her craft and she lived in i shit you not a stone mansion in a forest clearing sitting upon her own throne where various nymphs would attend to her and bring her the flowers and herbs for her potions well that just sounds lovely doesn't that sound perfect and then it's like plot twist a dude comes and fucks it up So here we have the Greek quote unquote hero, Odysseus, just like shows up on her island one day with his companions and she promptly turns all the dudes into pigs. Um, Again, truth revealing. I've already said it. Those men were bastards. Because can you imagine? It's like you're this lady fucking chilling in a forest, being a witch, hanging with nymphs. On your own island. On your own fucking island. They had to go out of their way to come fuck with you. And, like, can you imagine all these, like, smelly, probably drunken sailors, I imagine, are the first people you talk to in a long time? I'd be fucking turning them bastards into pigs, too. But, you know, of course, Hermes had given a gift to Odysseus, and so he was protected by it. So he wasn't actually turned into a pig. 
And then, you know, as it is in all stories, Odysseus and uh, Cersei become lovers. And after about a year, uh, Cersei actually tells Odysseus how to get into the underworld so he can continue his journey or his odyssey. If you will. I love uh, I love that between this one and my deity profile for the next episode, we're like recovering a lot of the Odyssey here. Yeah, I mean, honestly, okay, and I was gonna say this at the end, but you can get an audiobook of Dan Stevens reading the Odyssey, and I cannot recommend it enough. Like if you want to get strangely horny while listening <laughs> to an ancient Greek tale, because I, I don't know if there are other people out here who also have like an intense love for Dan Stevens, but I do. Oh, so, I mean, you know, it's like Downton Abbey, Legion. I mean, the those Beast are, those are, and Beauty and the Beast. Oh well, I mean, I those are my top two. I mean, being the Beast was. I okay, mean, but I, see, his singing is what did it for me in that. Oh, That's sure, sure, what sure. Got it for yeah. me. Like the choir geek in me is just like, and he can sing, and um, he's pretty. <laughs> I know, and British, and he's wow. British anyway. So. <laughs> For your magical practice, right? You can turn to Cersei to help connect you with like your internal witch. And of course, you know, you can petition her favor in like a lot of really strong magic. But I like to think about Cersei's journey on the island as a really great way to sort of connect with her. It's like, I think when all of us are starting in our practice, you know, even if you're in a coven or if you're working with other witches, so much of this happens like internally. And I think that the idea of like Cersei alone on an island with nothing but like spirits becoming a Banff is like definitely energy we should all channel. Yeah, um, an, an inspiration to us all. Exactly, exactly. So the tools most commonly associated with her are the wand, the chalice for all of her potions, the loom, talking about not magic, and the blade. And she was known like as a powerful weaver, um, you know, weaving great spells. That's something you see a lot with like old timey sorceresses. Um, so she could actually be a really cool deity to call upon when you're working your not magic. Like if you want to think about calling upon a deity, to be there Cersei's a good choice um and it's the really great thing about her is like her parentage meant that Cersei was both associated with like the sun because of Helios but her powers were chthonic or you know of the underworld so she really is like an upper and an underworld goddess which is really special for her and she does sort of like represent these opposites right there's like the very emotional side of her and the very intellectual base and refined her strength is all gained like through her weakness. And the original witch's like true self was only revealed when she triumphed over trauma. So I think it's also a great thing to think about if you're going through a hard time, because we all do on our journeys. But just think you could be going to your island of nothing but vowels and like transforming into one of the most powerful sorceresses of all time. So, you know, you do you. Um, I also think she's a cool one to connect with while you're foraging, though, you know, thinking about all of her time collecting the herbs and stuff on the island. I mean, really having the nymphs do it, but I'm sure she did it herself sometimes. Um, so foraging, working with animals since she tamed the beast. And again, it's like when you need to speak your truth. Um, and, you know, for me personally, I think a lot of us full moon babies, you know, you're born with like your sun and your moon are in opposition. And I think that for those of us that are maybe like living on that sort of like that tight string between the two worlds, I think Cersei is a really great deity 
to think about working with because she does really embody those like oppositions. The thing, the sources that I used, uh, GreekLegendsAndMyths.com, Entering Hecate's Garden by Cindy Brannan, The Odyssey. Um, and I also have my copy of Edith Hamilton's mythology lying around somewhere that I've been poking around in. So I'm sure some of this also came from there. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the classic. They made you read it. So yeah, they made there. you read it's it. <laughs> and then and then if you're like me, you you keep it because I had this great teacher uh, at UT, this amazing professor. He was German and he was like, I don't understand the way that you Americans like throw out your textbooks when you're done. He's like, it's like killing your babies. And that really stuck with me. And I was always a book hoarder before then, but especially now it's like I have so many so many fucking books we're out of space but that just means we have to buy a new bookshelf that's all right same <laughs> um so that brings us to the taroscope and in what ended up being a great preview for our next episode the tropical escape extravaganza i have a taroscope for the cardinal water sign our beloved moon babies the cancers uh, uh, the best of the moon babies i i just cancerian energy is so what the world needs right now <laughs> right yes um so this week i drew for you the sun card reversed and so this can indicate right now that you may be bogged down in the mundane and soul-sucking details of everyday life. Um, and in this context, this is a call to let your inner child out for the day. Play a game, eat some candy. Not only do you deserve it, but this would indicate that you need it. So all those problems are going to be waiting for you when you're done taking a break. But take a break, take the opportunity, be silly have some fun yeah stop It'll, doom scrolling stop doom scrolling i mean i think we could all use that but the cancers out there they need to hear it yeah i love that well i think that's that brings us to the end so i i do again just want to say thank you to everybody who reached out and if you want to get in touch with us you know we can be reached at wands and fronds pod at gmail.com our Instagram is at Wands and Franz Pod. Nick is now on the Instagram too, so you can really talk to both of us for real now, which was awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm out here, and if even if I don't reply, I see I see what y'all say about me, and it is sickening. I know Nick finally <laughs> is catching all of us shit talking him on there all the time, which honestly he had it coming. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, rate, review, like, subscribe, tell your friends about it. I mean, there are some podcast hosts that I know you can't subscribe on or you can't um, not subscribe that you can't comment on or rate like Spotify. If that's the case, it'd be really cool if you like recommended us to a friend. I think that's yeah. a really great way to do it. Or just send us some rubies. So a beautiful bag of rubies. Um, you can get our P.O. box um, from either of us. Uh, and we would love to um, to receive a bag of rubies from someone. Please. Uh, truth. Um, but to all of the bitches out there, the, the witch bitches, we say blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. Co, co, co.